Section86.com. We're changing the world of podcasting one show at a time. 86 Productions. The best podcast for anyone that's in-depth insight and analysis into the world of professional wrestling. On today's show, we have Aaron Roger and Doug join Andrews. We discuss this month's view from the turnbuckle. So, Aaron, uh, it's, a, it's a sad day for the Heenan uh, family. So, uh, we got to talk about the most recent passing. Uh, so, Paul Orndorff has passed away. What are your thoughts on him? Yeah, Mr. Wonderful, unfortunately, uh, passed away recently. And, uh, you know, a lot of people are going to remember him from his uh, time at WrestleMania 1 when he was in the tag team match for the that main event. But he was also, uh, you know, an integral part of uh, Hulk Hogan's storyline. He actually had turned on him uh, during the early days of the WWF. And it made, uh, you know, drew a lot of money and helped make Hulk Hogan a household name. Because just like with anything else, you have a really good, good guy. You need a really bad, bad guy. Roddy Piper was a really great one for him. And a lot of people forget that Paul Orndorff uh, was another one. So um, it's really sad. And he was battling dementia for um, a little while. And unfortunately, um, he finally had passed away. Uh, Sam, I, I didn't get to watch much of Paul Orndorff stuff. Uh, just remember him from the early Early WrestleManias and events like that, watching with my brother, uh, usually on VHS on a, on a Saturday night. But uh, it is sad to hear that he has passed, and uh, it'll be missed in the WWE. Yeah, uh, one of the things we always talk about is how wrestling guys die so young. You know, um, WrestleMania one, I believe, was 1984, 1985, and a far too large majority of that group of people has passed away. Um, compare that to sports, right? The people that we watched in the NBA Finals and the Magic and Bird are not dead. Um, the people we watched in the Super Bowl, right? The 85 Bears are not mostly dead. So there's there's something sad and tragic about the fact that the people that you've grown up with who, you know, yeah, it was it was 35 years ago. They shouldn't be dead. And, you know, Paul Underf did live a long life, but, it's, you know, wrestling has claimed yet another one. Um, and it's unfortunate, you know, rest in peace. Yep, R.I.P. Uh, Miss Norendorf. All right, so let's talk about something that I I do like to I did want to talk about SummerSlam. Uh, they're actually going to have it on a Saturday. I mean, we've been talking about them switching to Saturdays because we think, uh, well, we think NXT is better on Saturdays. But uh, Roger, what do you think about what what, would, what do you actually think about the fact that they decided to switch this to a Saturday opposed to having it on a Sunday? Saturday has always, in my opinion, been the right move. It doesn't. Um, makes sense to do a party on a Sunday and then, you know, you can't really drink. You can't have people over. You can't have that good time because you don't have that extra day. But on Saturday, I can have friends over. We can have a good time. We can order the pay-per-view. We can go out to a bar. There's no problems. You know, pay-per-views should always be Saturday. And it's a much more natural tie-in with Friday Night SmackDown anyway. You know, it's 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 close. It's consistent. I think WWE should move to a Saturday. I like takeovers back on Saturday. I like when AEW does their stuff on Saturday. It's the right move. WrestleMania, I, I much prefer night one on Saturday than I do night two on sunday because saturday is just a good time for a pay-per-view i'm trying to i was looking it up right now but <clears throat> i can't find anything i wanted to say that they moved the date of SummerSlam due to a another fight now i want to say it was like manny pacquiao or some somebody else was fighting in the area at the same time so they moved the date just so that they wouldn't be in conflict with that but maybe i'm thinking of a different event 
Yeah. And I, I, you know, I'm in agreement with Roger for that. And I I think one of the big things too, is, uh, you know, for me, when I think about when Roger and I, uh, were like close together in terms of our proximity, it was easy for us to watch the pay-per-views because they would start at five o'clock on Pacific standard time. And so go over there we could watch that and I could leave eight, eight 30 ish or so get home. Totally fine. Nowadays, it's it's not something we can do. And even like, you know, we were talking earlier, you know, SummerSlam being on a Saturday, it's like, hey, this is easier for us to get together. You know, we live a little ways away, a couple hours away. It's a lot easier for us to get together on a Saturday than on a Sunday and especially like Central or Eastern time, because you know what? Like you have things to do the next day. You might have to go to work. You're not going to drive two hours to go see a pay-per-view with your buddy. If you know, you got to get up at 8 AM the next day, you know, or 7 AM even. So I think that this is a really good move. Now, Andy, I did want to ask you, uh, your girl Bailey is out nine months with a, I believe it was torn ACL. I want to say yeah, it's, it, it's sad that she's going to be out for so long. I mean, I, I thought that she started tearing it up and I thought she was just her momentum was just going really well for her. And then all of a sudden it's like, nope, nope, she's out. But I, I do like the the idea that she still could be a presence. She just can't wrestle. But I also would like to have her do more stuff like, yeah, you can have her live here and there, but do some backstage stuff like pre tape So then you don't have to put her on the road. And uh, maybe she might be able to come back even before, you know, these rumored date of uh, WrestleMania 22. Yeah, I'm going to say that Bailey was probably the female MVP of the Thunderdome era. Like, she was so good. Her and Sasha's feud was fantastic. Her, you know, I think when we talked about I don't, at WrestleMania, I want to say 36, kind of the, the first one that was in the Thunderdome, maybe the only one. That match, I feel like she carried all the way through. That six-way or five-way match where really none of them had a good story except for her and Sasha. And yet Bailey was the MVP. She did such a good job of utilizing the fact that there was no crowd, really trash-talking and bringing Michael Cole into it. I loved her character. you know. And she was one of those people who I always said she should be a face permanently. She just seemed like the eternal baby face. And yet her heel kind of super Karen role is fantastic. And she will be missed. I find the nine-month timing very interesting. Um, I, I hope that it is not a serious, you know, I know ACLs are always serious, but with the way the recovery has been lately in sports and in wrestling, you can come back from that and be fine. If it's something else, congratulations to her. We'll never know, you know, respect the privacy for sure. But when she comes back, it'll be awesome because Bailey is one of the top women's wrestlers in the world, bar none. I had the same speculation as Roger did about when you said nine months is going to be how long she's out. It's like, Mm, so that's that's nice. I mean, why not everybody at the same time? You know, maybe all four horsewomen could go at the same time. But, uh, it, you know, I, I've suffered several knee injuries myself. They are no fun. Uh, I've luckily not had an ACL tear. But, <clears throat> again, being off the being off your feet and everything, hopefully she can do something, whether it be backstage TV or uh, general managing or something along those lines. Uh, that'd be great. But. Uh, hopefully she has a speedy recovery and comes back uh, 10 times stronger. Yeah. And uh, I think the other uh, big piece of advice is that Jimmy Uso got a DUI and he's had a number of run-ins with the law. So I think that most likely what we're going to see here is potentially like, you know, um, he's going to get fined or maybe he's even going to get suspended. I think, Um, you know, I I don't know. I mean, that remains to be seen, but uh, on SummerSlam, Doug, the Usos win the SmackDown tag titles. What do you got to say about that? So for Money in the Bank, let's just acknowledge this, that it was the 
probably the best pay-per-view WWE has put up this year so far. And a lot of that to the crowds, but you must acknowledge it, acknowledge it, acknowledge it, Aaron. I know. And I apologize. I I said SummerSlam. I I meant money in the bank, but uh, yes, they they won the tech house. Now, Doug, obviously you work in in law enforcement, you know, get it, got a DUI and I I believe he blew, it was like triple the limit. um, I want to say, and I mean, like very curious, just like, shy of triple the uh, the the limit. Uh, so, in a legal stance, and from the state that I work in, uh, it's 0.08. And then, if you are double the legal limit, they can go with an aggravated DUI. Now, usually in your first case scenario, it never happens that way. Usually, the first case scenario is just pay some fines, some court fees, and you're done. The second one. Um, is usually maybe uh, I've heard people get as low as just one night in jail. And then again, higher fines, higher fees and everything like that. Not sure what your third one is, but I know the fifth one I've given to two people. They're they're 50 UI and they've gotten three years. So let's let's uh, let's hope he can learn his lesson and stay away from the the next two. I don't know what Florida uh, law is for that, but He's not going to get his license, and well, actually, I take that back. If Florida is anything like the state I'm in, he is going to be paying a heavy amount of money to get his license back. Now, and uh, Roger, so this was uh, the third one that he's gotten in a couple of years, and I know that he fought the other ones, and you know he either took a plea deal or he was found not guilty, uh, which is kind of interesting. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? I, you know. I'll say this. I don't know what it takes to acknowledge that somebody is a a danger on the road, but I feel like five DUIs has to be at the very least the line. And I'm not sure if it takes him killing someone before everybody involved. And that includes the WWE, because I'm going to be honest with you. Why did you reward him for a DUI? I don't care if it's a storyline or not. At a certain point, you've done this five times. You should not be. If I got five DUIs, my job isn't going to give me a promotion. So I don't understand why he gets a tag team title after yet again. And also, he has the money. There's no excuse for this, in my opinion. You can get an Uber. You can have someone drive you. Get Naomi to drive you. Get Roman to drive you. Get a driver. Get Paul Heyman to drive you. Get literally anyone. Get a bus if you need to. But it's inexcusable. And he's going to kill someone. That's the thing that sucks about this is that when we, the next time we have this conversation, he's going to hurt someone seriously. And we're going to be like, well, of course the guy with five previous DUIs caused some serious damage because he, why should he ever get his license back? It's not one mistake. It's not two mistakes. It's five times. This man has been pulled over for driving drunk. So who knows how many times he's actually driven drunk. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. It's, it's absolutely ridiculous. Well, like you said, in this day and age where Uber and Lyft are a thing, you know, like not that it excuses it. You know, we hear about the stories of wrestlers back in the day. They would drive and they would be drinking on the way to the next town, which, you know, of course, is not a good thing. But in today's day and age, you have Uber, you have Lyft, which even if you fight this and you, you know, win, you're still going to pay thousands upon thousands of dollars when you could have taken an Uber and it'd be insanely cheaper, insanely cheaper. You know, and this isn't even like coming from like, hey, you know what? Like, I don't know. I don't really have the money. I'm going to chance it. It's like you you have the money for this. So, um, Andy, uh, also on uh, Money in the Bank, we had Charlotte win her the next Raw Women's Championship, her fifth one. So she is an 11-time women's champion. What would you think of the match? Well, the fact that uh, she, had the, she was uh, so nice to uh, let the crowd know what she thought about her uh, before the match, I was, uh, you know, 
that was something. But I mean, it was it was a good match, I guess. Uh, I should have known that Charlotte was going to win. It just, I just had a feeling, and she shouldn't have. But whatever. Uh, overall, the match is good though. Uh, Charlotte did look good in it. I thought uh, Ray. I just, I, I think I, I know why she lost. She's not blonde. Uh, but um, that's the sad part. But we'll see where uh, things go from here. So let me start by saying Charlotte gets a lot of hate. A lot of it is justified based on the way she's booking. I think everyone can agree that in the ring, she can go. She's fantastic. She's a good worker. She can put on great matches with great opponents. She can carry subpar opponents. I mean, I think as Doug pointed out at SummerSlam a couple years ago, why is Charlotte helping the other wrestler? She basically walked Trish Stratish through a solid match at SummerSlam. But boy, how many times does Charlotte have to win the title before it kind of gets old? I mean, it's just, you know, Ray Ripley to me is one of those people that you would think you'd be building the future around. Like she seems like the type of, you know, that next generation star, Bianca Belair. And yet you have Charlotte beat her again. How what did this do for Ray Ripley's character? She got disqualified intentionally, beat Oscar in a triple threat and then couldn't get it done against Charlotte yet again. I you know, this reminds me very much of what they did with Asuka. Asuka lost, and then she lost again. Okay, now she finally wins her throwaway match on Raw, but no one really cares because you lost the big matches that everyone remembers. Look, I like Charlotte. I think she's a really talented. I love that she has the flair bloodline and all that, and that's great. But there's no reason that, what, six, seven years in her main roster career, she has 11 titles? I'm sorry. That just that's ridiculous. That devalues the championship to me. No one person needs that many titles. How many has Bailey had? Two, three. Sasha's had four. Becky's had three, four. Those are reasonable numbers. Eleven? I mean, come on. It's just it's just stupid. Compare the days. That's what I would like to see. What what is the day load for Charlotte being a champion versus uh, everybody else, because a lot of those championship titles, or, I mean, when you even mentioned Sasha, they were going back and forth. That was a hot potato title uh, during that time. I, I do think that they are going to try to get uh, Charlotte up to her father's number, if not exceed it. Um, and not that she doesn't deserve it. Um, she is very talented. She is great in the ring. She is she could be the end boss of, of women's championships, but I really think Ripley should have went over here just to build her up. And I I thought it was interesting that when Aaron said 11 titles, uh, are we not counting her NXT title, even though that was in the middle of it? Apparently I know WWE is not. So, and she's had that title twice. So it's even weirder that they're not going to count it. I get maybe before, but she won the rumble, then won the NXT title at WrestleMania. Right. Beating who? Rhea Ripley. Just just a shame for her because that match that that was a great match between both uh both competitors and I think that would have just uh, brought Rhea up uh, another level uh or even uh, just move her up even more to the the talent level of of Charlotte Flair and everything like that. And especially knowing what happens next in the fact that you go to Raw, you get a rematch, and is Charlotte still the Raw Women's Champion, Aaron? Uh, no, she's not, actually. Uh, Nikki what? Nikki Cross cashed in the Women's Money in the Bank contract on her. The, the thing here is, 
WWE does this all the time. If, if you think back to when they had the men's, the two briefcases, one for Raw, one for SmackDown, they always had a cash in within 30 days. They, they, it, it always happened. A lot of times it'd be that night or within a couple of days, and then one would go longer, and then what? You know, that's how they would do it. They do the exact same thing with the women's. The women's, I think, the longest was Carmella, who held it for Money in the Bank until at right after WrestleMania, and then uh, for any other time, it was cashed in. I want to say it was within five days is what the the record was or what the um, uh, record's been for them. Most of them happening within a day or two. Um, you know, there was one where Bailey cashed in the night of. Uh, same thing happened with um, Alexa Bliss. Alexa Bliss. She ca- ca- night of. We had people cash in the day after, obviously, Nikki. Uh, uh, and then uh, Asuka got hers as well a uh, day after. I mean, she was handed the title. Um, with that said, I absolutely hate and despise one day title runs. I think it is dumb. Why on earth would a champion, you know, face somebody else the day after? And I understand this is a cash in. I totally get that. But the day after, why wouldn't the champion be like, look, I can't do it. I'm not, I'm not going to do it a day after, you know, like 20 days, 30 days. If you look at Charlotte flair, uh, for the raw women's championship, obviously she only held it for a day. And, but if you look at SmackDown, she held it up. She won at money, the bank from Becky Lynch, and then lost it that night to Bailey. Then she won it back from Bailey and lost it again five days later to Bailey. What is the point? What? Why would she hold the title for five days? So she wins it and then loses it at the pay per view, like or wins at the pay per view, loses at SmackDown. I feel like this is just devaluing the championship, and it devalues. You know, great, eleven times, thirteen times, whatever you want to call her. At the end of the day, like. I don't really care. Like you're running to get to 16 times when there's going to be a point where you go, wait a second, we want to give Charlotte the title, but like if we do, she's going to be at 19 title reigns. Does that really mean a whole lot? You know? And I think that you're, you're really devaluing it. Uh, I would have had Nikki cross hold onto that briefcase for a little bit longer. And I will say, I absolutely hate her gimmick. I think it's stupid. I expected her to fully cash in and lose, uh, and you know, not get the title, but like kudos to them for actually giving it to her. But the gimmick absolutely sucks. The gimmick might suck for wrestling fans and everything like that, but apparently behind the scenes and when she goes to like kid visits and hospital visits, it's super over. So now they're going to have her going to those visits and everything with the title, which I guess that, you know, elevates that and their offsite stuff. But I agree. I'm not a big fan of this gimmick, especially knowing what she came from. Mm hmm. I know, and that character, I liked it when she was Insanity, too. I thought that was a great character. But, yeah. I mean, her Lexa Bliss sidekick thing, I wasn't a fan of, but, yeah. Oh, well. But, uh, hey, uh, something that was re- that was uh, interesting is that uh, Big E wins the Money in the Bank men's briefcase. I mean, I got to say, I was pretty happy about this. Uh, Doug, what would you think about it? I think it was... I think this was a great moment for Big E. I I think he deserves a big moment like this. Uh, It'll be interesting to see who he wants to cash in on and or uh, where he ends up going with it. Uh, I I do believe that this is something that he deserves and will get a title eventually. It's just a matter of who is he going to cash it in on and how is he cashing it in uh, to make that presence even known. I think it would have been even funnier because I'm trying to remember the order now of uh, Lashley versus um, Kofi. If th- that was before this match, wasn't it? How awesome would it have been, though, if Big E would have won the Money in the Bank before then 
and then teased cashing it in on Kofi behind, you know, backstage segment or something like that. I think that would have been fun. But since the <laughs> Kofi lost before this match, kind of kind of uh, removes that from it. But either way, uh, good for Big E. Uh, a little bit predictable, but good for him. I have nothing bad to say about this. This was fantastic. I'm very happy for Big E. I think for the last two or three podcasts, I've been saying a guy like Big E is someone who should be groomed to be the next challenger, a top-tier contender, and champion. This is one way to do it. I agree with Doug. My thoughts were I would have opened the night with this win. That would have been a huge pop for the crowd. And then that title match where he's just just dominating Kofi absolutely has a lot more intrigue if Xavier Woods might run out and attack him, if Biggie might run out and cash in. I just, you know, I think there was a missed opportunity there. And honestly, I, as much as I don't like the immediate cash-ins, boy, the idea of New Day just straight jumping Lashley, Biggie cashes in, and now you have a legitimately furious Lashley and MVP who's mad. And then maybe you talk about maybe you shouldn't have broke up the Hurt business so you could see if you reach out to Shelton and Cedric and they tell you to go kick rocks. And now you've got New Day who's using all the heel tactics, but they're still the baby faces. That's an interesting storyline. That's something I'd watch. I'd want to see how Biggie continues to get in the head of Bobby Lashley and MVP. I mean, I just, I like that idea going forward. So I'm not mad at it, but let's see where they go from here because I have a hard time believing Biggie's the guy who ends Roman's reign, shall we say? And I'm fine with him fighting Lashley, but I don't, I don't think the next challenger for uh, Lashley is going to be Biggie. And I, I think there's already somebody lined up. In fact, yeah, uh, and <laughs> very surprising. But apparently, uh, you know, we have Roman is going to be taking on John Cena, and we have Lashley taking on Goldberg, which is just absolutely nuts um, to have that. I will start with the let's, let you know what let's let's go with the negative first. Uh, Lashley taking on Goldberg. I think we're all in agreement here that it's very bad booking. They're doing this because they're going to be in a giant stadium and they're trying to get the, the eyeballs on there. So they have Goldberg taking on random wrestler. And I mean, Lashley's going to win this. I think, you know, we're all, probably all in agreement with that. No, we're not. Apparently. Uh, I think that Lashley most likely would win. I think that this is a mistake. You know, I think it, it, it I think we all want to see, Lesnar versus Lashley. That is the match that people want to see. It's going to be what it is. That said, moving on to the positive, Cena taking on Roman for me is going to be really good. Cena is going for a 17th world title win. I don't think he's going to win it, but it's a good story. Roman is a villain now, and he's actually taking on Cena, who's the good guy who came back to very, very positive. Um, uh, you know, response from everybody, which I, you know, I thought was really cool uh, to see. So um, with that said, Andy, I know that you're the biggest John Cena fan in the world. What did you think about John Cena returning? It's the same thing every time. It's like, all right, he's back. We'll see you. Uh, we'll you'll wrestle and then we won't see you for like six months or a year, depending. But yeah, I, I that that was uh, I mean, it was kind of nice to have him come back. I mean, um Seeing him come out and uh, kind of teasing, like, hey, you're going to have to watch Raw the following night. And then he comes out and does this whole, whole spiel. You know, even though he did look like uh, he was a fan of uh, Green Bay, we'll, we'll let it slide this one time. It was just nice to see him actually come out into the crowd and everyone uh, be ha- hyped. And there was a lot of, you could tell there's a lot, a lot of uh, little fans that were excited to see him. And I guess that's what the, the big Im- important thing is. So, but yeah. So Cena's back, I guess. Uh, but 
you know, Roger, do you think it's going to be for very long? I think it'll be long enough for him to put over Roman. Um, unlike Aaron, I'm not excited about this matchup for a couple of reasons. And one, I already saw this match. I saw this match five years ago. In fact, I'm pretty sure Roman beat him cleanly at no mercy in what was a pretty underwhelming match, if I recall. Um, and two, yeah, how many times do I have to watch Legend return and get automatic title shot? Like that... Goldberg gets a title shot for what? Losing to McIntyre back at the Rumble. John Cena gets a title shot for what? When did he escape the Firefly Funhouse? First question. That's the most important thing I'd like to know because last time I think we saw him, he was trapped in another dimension. So I'd love an explanation for that. We only Um, acknowledge Roman Reigns. We do not acknowledge uh, The Fiend and anything that he may or may not have won. Gotcha. Okay, so that's my explanation for that. Um, Yeah, I just... Look, if this were John Cena had beaten Roman Reigns and Roman Reigns had beaten everybody else and this is the one guy he hasn't defeated, okay. But what would you be saying if John Cena five years removed from basically being a full-time wrestler beats Roman Reigns? That doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It makes the rest of your roster look bad. If he beats Cena again, well, duh. So why do I care about this? This, you know, look, I'm totally fine with the passing of the torch matches. Cena versus Rock made sense. Rock versus Hogan made sense. We already saw Cena versus Roman like this. I don't I don't understand what the point of this is other than, yeah, it look Cena came back. You'll get a good pop. Um, you're going to draw eyeballs with this. But if you keep relying on the John Cena's and the Bill Goldberg's, you are telling the crowd the only people that matter are the superstars of yesteryear. And you wonder why your ratings continue to suck when you don't have the big names because you've conditioned us to understand that when it is time for the big matchups, you need Batista, you need Goldberg, you need Cena, you need Hunter because the current guys aren't good enough. You know, that's really sad when you think about it. You know, I posted something in our chat that showed uh, how many, how many uh, pay-per-views certain wrestlers have been in. And I put it on there for a reason, because if you look, how many of those guys are young besides, you know, you have Randy Orton. And then you have guys that aren't even in the WWE now. And I, I, I just find that fascinating still. Because you would think that they would want to push certain guys that are, you know, I still think Elias, like I thought, I mean, he cooled down dramatically. And it's like they could have pushed him more. Um, but He needs a live crowd, though. Elias is definitely a, a live crowd uh, type of person. It'd be like having Enzo and Cass there. You know, obviously they're no longer in WWE or really in wrestling that much. But, uh, you know, them there to do their, like, uh, their spiel like they need it. They need a crowd. Otherwise, it's kind of like, eh, whatever, you know. Oh, hey, uh, uh, real quick, I, I I was wondering if someone could if they heard this. Wasn't didn't someone say that uh, was it? Bobby Lashley was soft. Didn't someone actually say that recently? Kofi did. Kofi did. That's what it was. Okay, mm-hmm. I just wanted to make sure. I was like, oh, they brought it back. Yeah, say WFT. <laughs> he said he was soft. <laughs> uh, Doug, of, of these two matches, is there one that you're more excited for or? Some that you think this person is definitely going to win? Um, I, I only shook my head no on the Goldberg thing just because I keep constantly think back to uh, Goldberg comebacks and beat uh, what's it, Kevin Owens, and then Goldberg comebacks and beats The Fiend. So it, it, I guess it comes down to does Goldberg allow Bobby Lashley to beat him? I'm ultimately when we get to our pickums, I'm already taking Lashley, but it's just one of those things of 
the smart money's on on Lashley and everything like that. It is just for a name purpose and a SummerSlam. But I can completely see them do it again, where they just give Goldberg the title just so he can lose it back to somebody else, or, or like McIntyre. Like McIntyre will help him because McIntyre can't face Bobby Lashley for the title. So it'll be McIntyre or Goldberg will win, and then it'll be McIntyre versus Goldberg again. Now, Roger, you seem super excited to have Cena and Goldberg back. Are you excited to have Edge taking on Seth Rollins at SummerSlam? Yeah, actually, that is a match that I find interesting. I like the idea of Seth Rollins kind of being the guy who's going to be the next ultimate opportunist. Like both of them have some of the more legendary money to make cash-ins. They have a similar style and that they're both fine faces, but they're excellent heels. You know, Seth kind of took up the mantle of the ultimate opportunist after Edge was gone. It's going to be a great match because Edge can still wrestle and Seth Rollins is one of the best in the world. The only disappointment that I have is that to me, Roman Reigns versus Seth Rollins is a much better match and much more intriguing to me and a way better story at SummerSlam uh, than, you know, either of these matches. But look, Seth versus Edge will be a very good match. It'll potentially be one of the matches of the night. I think I'd rather have seen it at Money in the Bank, though. Like, I think I'd rather have seen, okay, you know, Edge came back and he got his title shot. Maybe Edge versus Seth and the winner goes on to SummerSlam. That way we have a number one contender. So I would have preferred that. Um, I'm not mad about this match. I just think both can be used better. And Andy, can you give me your best Seth Rollins laugh? (laughs) That was actually pretty good. That was pretty good. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, I tried. No, I was going to say with uh, Seth, I uh, even if he was to face Edge or anything at SummerSlam, that's why I had originally picked Seth to win the Money in the Bank because what better thing for them to fight over is Edge wants the to become the opportunist again and face Seth for the Money in the Bank at SummerSlam. Um, but then when I saw Seth do the, the, the worst thing you can do on the SmackDown before Money in the Bank, where you climb the ladder and you pull off the <laughs> briefcase, it's like, nope, Big E's winning. That's it. Nope, never mind. Especially since Big E took the pin in that match. So uh, I, I'm more excited for this match due to the fact that uh, I, I would say Money in the Bank for me was an excellent pay-per-view all around. Uh, until we got to the main event, I got bored at the very beginning of this match. And it took a while for me to even get back into it. And it wasn't until a couple of the false finishes at the end that I thought that this match was actually even uh, worth watching. So it made me worry about Edge's capabilities in the ring. How slow of a match is this going to have to be? How, how, uh, how long do you have to postpone it for him to, you know, catch breath or, you know, how many rest holds are we going to have to have uh, for it to become a, in length, a long match in time length, uh, not necessarily in entertainment uh, avenue, but I think Seth and Edge would be a great matchup. Yep. And uh, Roger, do you think that that would be good as well? Seth versus Edge? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, Seth Rollins is... Seth Rollins can carry a lot worse people to better matches and edge. And I agree with Doug's point. Edge is not 
you know, the guy from 2011 anymore. We, I don't think anyone was expecting it to be, but he's good enough that I think the match will still be good. I think this could be low key the match of the night. I think the smart move would be is to turn this into a no disqualification match. Let them hide the fact that you're not going to have a chain wrestling clinic and let them bring some chairs involved. Let them do some table spots so that they can build in those times where he can catch his breath. Because, you know, after you go through a table, you should be taking a break and let that moment sit in. So I think there's a way to do this where everyone walks away happy. And there are certain wrestlers that are definitely happy because they got called up recently. And some of those call-ups are just Finn Balor, Shotzi, uh, oh, uh, Tegan Knox, Tegan Knox, Tony Storm as well. So that's some big ones. I mean, Doug, what, I mean, are you pretty excited about some of these call-ups? Um, congratulations on your future endeavor to Sh- Shotzi, Knox, Tony Storm, Finn. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, they, they liked Finn. I mean, they give him the he's the first universal title holder. So, you know, I mean, yeah. they obviously liked him enough uh, for that. Uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> uh, I will say I, I'm not a big Shotzi fan. I feel like uh, her stuff is very indie esque. You know, like she looks like somebody that you would see at an indie wrestling promotion. And in NXT, I think that she is well used and well protected. Doesn't mean that like she's a bad worker or anything like that. She just looks like an indie wrestler. And in NXT, Triple H knows how to use those talent. Uh, unfortunately, when they go to the main roster, there's an expectation that's there. And I feel like the handoff doesn't go very well. I feel like it, it's like a it's so funny because they are the same company and they ran with the exact same people. And you have it's it's the the son-in-law, you know, and the father-in-law who you think are working pretty well together. And it feels like the handoff is always fumbled. It's like, hey, I have this really great talent. He's got a great entrance. He's a great worker. You know, do not mess this up. And then you have EC3 happen, you know, like and and you just completely, completely demolish him. You know, there are very few. I know that at some point in time, we're totally going to do this topic where we talk about, like, what the best call ups were and also what the worst were. Uh, And there are so many more worse ones than than positive ones because they don't have a plan for more. They just don't know how to use them. And I feel like Tegan Knox, who I like, I actually like Tegan Knox quite a bit. I feel her and Shotzi is an interesting pairing, like, you know, because I, I don't know. I mean, I don't remember them really teaming a bunch before, to my knowledge. So, like, why all of a sudden, hey, we're going to throw these two together. Now they're a tag team and we'll, we'll see what happens here. I mean, they do need some more love in the women's division there, but that was just what uh tony storm i think maybe could do a little bit better finn balor potentially but i think finn's gonna get lost in the shuffle and you know he's gonna be the ic or u.s champion you know whatever brand he he is on but i don't think that he's gonna be going for the the world or the the universal title that'd be a good uh, match bro mm-hmm. <laughs> so i'll say this and if you you know shotzi blackheart i like shotzi and i think she's got a good unique look I don't think that helps her up on Raw or SmackDown because Vince McMahon has a certain type of look that he likes. If you're not familiar with it, take a look at Charlotte or take a look at Alexa. I mean, you know, one remembers Ruby Riot. Tons of potential. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. How mm-hmm. how did her main roster, quote unquote, stay go? Not so well. Uh, Nikki Cross got turned into a superhero for her to actually reach any level of success. I mean, let's be honest here. Jim Ross tells a story about Vince McMahon, about um, he was not aware that people found Asian women attractive. So like he had to explain to Vince that that was a real thing. I feel like the same thing probably has to happen for women like Shotzi and Ruby Riot, who look different than the typical tall, busty blonde that or short, busty blonde. 
and she doesn't fit that template. Like it just is, you know, Becky Lynch, right? Like we all know how over Becky is now, but that was basically force of personality in spite of what they want to do with her. They basically wanted to make her nothing more than a, um, you know, kickoff point for Charlotte to go face Ronda Rousey. And then the fans were like, absolutely not. We want Becky. There, there is a type and <laughs> Shotzi's good luck. I mean, Tony Storm has a chance. I don't see it happening, but you know, the women have been done very poorly up on the main roster. Maybe one or two women gets attention at the same time, but the amount of storylines that you would say revolve around the women too right now, I think NXT has more than two by themselves. And yet two shows, I can think of two storylines right now. And it's, you know, it's, I don't see these women particularly succeeding. As far as Finn Balor goes, I cannot wait to see Prince Devin in AEW. That's going to be great. (laughs) Um, And if we we really want to talk about disappointing call-ups, is there honestly a more uh, disappointing recent call-up than the current NXT champion? Like, if I'm presenting you, yeah, if I say, hey, Aaron, Doug, and Andy, present this guy as a champion on the next level. Would any of you say, okay, let's have Jeff freaking Hardy at 43 beat him in under five minutes with a roll-up? Is that the way you present a killer? Is that the way you present a guy who's supposed to look dominant? That's the way you present Dolph Ziggler or Elias or somebody who oh, – no way Jose. But Karrion Cross, Hmm. Not, uh, not particularly all that sold in his future now. Yeah, I was a not the undefeated Carrion Cross. Yeah, yeah, I was actually I was really mad about it because I was like, Carrion should have came out. They should have gave him Jinder Mahal and said thirty seconds, and that's it. <laughs> Who didn't come out? Let's take yeah, my, that too. Yeah, and like when I saw that, I was like, Hey, wait, where's Scarlett? Is she in the ring? Like, what are they doing with like? And Carrion Cross is he's fine. I don't. I, I'm not like super high on him or anything. I understand the appeal. I understand like he could be a good monster heel. And he could be the person that potentially like if you had like a, you know, if you go back to the 80s, you had Hulk Hogan. And when Jake the Snake was a a face, a lot of times Mm -hmm. the heel would be Jake in order to take on Hogan. You could do a similar Mm -hmm. thing, reverse face and heel where carrying crosses the monster heel that you beat. And then you take on the, you know, Roman Reigns sort of thing. Right. Mm -hmm. So I, I get the appeal and I get like how you could use him properly on that that main roster. And I love Jeff Hardy. Jeff Hardy is fantastic. I don't like if the idea was like, look, we want to have him lose to somebody. One, why is it? Why don't you have a build up storyline to this? Why is it just some random like, hey, his first loss is to Jeff Hardy after we've been building him up as a monster. It's just it is beyond shocking that they went this route like this is uh, um, this is uh, I don't want to say it's the worst booking they've ever done because it's not 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 in the longest, not not by long shot. But this is like. Just it is unfathomable how bad this potentially could be where carrying cross could falter here because Vince was like, oh, I just wanted to test him out and see if he was OK with having a loss, you know, and then like we might see him on AEW in six months, you know, or, you know, I guess probably not AEW, probably go to, um, you know, in, back to impact or maybe ring of honor, go to Japan. You never know. But either way, I think it was a, one of the biggest mistakes I think that uh, they've done in the last um, three months. Let me add something on that's kind of messed up, but is definitely been proving true. If you remember the promo that Adam Cole made on Carrying Cross, he said, you know what the difference between you and me is? They had to give you the lights, 
the entrance and the girl to make you special. Whereas all they need to do to make me special is ring the bell. Well, we saw what Karrion Cross looked like without the ring entrance, without the girl and without the fancy lines. And he did not look special. No, Nothing no. about him looked like a main eventer. He looked like a guy who will be on main event. Has been. Has been. I mean, it just right. Like I did not come away from that going, Hmm, this guy is going to be a superstar on this level. I came away going impact needs a guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know who should be taking on Jeff Hardy? Jimmy Uso in a drunk tank brawl. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I wouldn't put it past him. I wouldn't put Wait, it past him. They had the shark cage match, don't they? So like instead of a scaffolding match, they have to walk in a straight line above there. <laughs> oh, man. Drinking and driving is not funny, people. We're not making fun of that fact. It is awful. We're no, making fun no. of the fact that these people continue Absolutely. to get away with this. That that's it's, the thing. It, like it's it's just I wish that uh, WWE would force them to get help opposed to think about ratings and money. I I I would if if they did that, I would respect the hell out of them, and I think it would make them look really really good if they're like, hey, you two, come on, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to get some help. But oh well. But hey, are you a blogger or a, th- or a podcaster? Or you're just not happy with your web hosts? You need to check out HostGator.com. You're gonna find web hosting made easy and affordable. Hostgator offers unlimited space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click stream controls, or freeze available hands on the best control panel out there. Stop by today and try a free demo. Say easy as, and if you use a special coupon code off the mark, you're gonna save twenty-five percent off your web hosting packages. So what are you gonna lose? Check out HostGator.com and take a bite out of your web hosting costs. Also, make sure you check out Sexy off the mark page. Click on the banner at the top to say big on items from WShop.com. Come. Let's talk about some all elite wrestling and a little bit of TNA. So, believe it or not, um, because of a clerical error, we had someone formerly known as uh, Alistair Black show up on Dynamite. Doug, were you pretty excited to see uh, him on there? Yeah, and I was uh, very excited on how they did it. Even though I wasn't able to watch the show live, uh, I found out that they did the uh, mechanical airs throughout the show so that when he did appear with a what they called a mechanical air, uh, all of a sudden he appears and kicks out Arn Anderson, <laughs> only to have Cody come out and get kicked himself. So... Uh, I, I love the debut. Mm, not necessarily happy with the name and the is it Malachi Black. I think that's a little too close to the Alistair Black. I don't see why you don't go back to Tommy End or something. You know, maybe if you want to go something new or anything like that. But uh, it is what it is. He likes the character. Maybe he likes the name Black. Mm, go with it. Why not? Yeah, I feel like uh, you know, in Tommy End, I get like you know, maybe you don't want to do. Um you know, the exact same, but like, I don't know. Like I thought black was pretty nice. Like Tommy, Tommy black, or, you know, you could do something like that. It, it's fine though. You know, we'll, we'll get used to him the same way we're used to Miro and, you know, Andrade El Idolo, Idolo, Idolo. I don't know. It's Whatever Andrade. It That's it. Andrade. El Idolo. <laughs> Idolo. I got to brush up on my Spanish. I was very excited for this. I saw him and I was like, has it been 90 days? Like, I, I know that we we live in, in like a time vortex right now. And so I'm sitting there like, wait a second, when did he get let go again? I thought he was just on SmackDown. Didn't he just do that thing? And his wife just appeared. Like, what is going on here? Uh, but like, I'm I'm super happy for it. And their pull-apart brawl that they did on Dynamite uh, about a week ago was fantastic. The other thing that I thought was really cool too was uh, one, 
All right. I'm going to give kudos to Cody's, uh, whoever does his wardrobe and dresses him. Fantastic job. He has awesome suits. Uh, and he was in all white and you have Malachi come out in all black, you know? And so it's like that, that, you know, heaven versus hell sort of scenario thought is really cool looking, uh, you know, and then you have the pull apart. You can't even get to him. Uh, this match at all out, I think is going to be absolutely fantastic. I think we already know who's going to win, but it's going to be a really, really good match. So I, I'm pretty excited for it. Uh, you know, and I, I'm excited to see what they're going to do with him, you know, because he has the potential to do a lot more there than what he did on raw or SmackDown and NXT. They used him very well. I actually wasn't very much. I wasn't super sold out of him when I first saw him. I was like, ah, what are they doing with this? But you seeing what triple H has done and how he packages people and how he makes them special. Um, you know, like, I think Triple H is an absolutely amazing booker and what he did with him was so, so well done. And I think if he has that freedom in AEW, I think he's going to do really wonderful things there. Um, Andy, a couple things. Can I get a playback recording and a cut of Aaron praising Triple H? Like, I feel like I could listen to that all day because it doesn't happen very often. Um, second, I, earlier I said, here's the wrong way to debut someone and make them look special. And then here's Malachi Black, the exact correct way to debut someone and make them look special. To Doug's point, the technical errors, what a genius move. Because I didn't think anything of it. I was like, oh, they must be having a power failure, whatever, you know, to fix it. I think there was a hurricane in the area in Miami. So it actually they did a good job of kind of playing into that. And then all of a sudden the lights come back on and holy crap. What? And then like Aaron, I'm like – wait a second, he only got cut like 30 days ago. What the, so it actually felt for a moment that like, oh, this dude just doesn't care. He just jumped ship and they jumped in the ring and this is, maybe he's not even supposed to be here. He was just awesome. And then the following week to do the all black versus the, and I like that instead of being the cowardly heel, he's like, oh, you want me? And he shows up, lights off, and they get into a pull apart brawl. That's going to be fantastic. I love that they added him. I mean, you look at AEW's roster, and I've said before, they are very close to roster blood if they haven't already hit there. I don't care. If you have Aleister Black and Andrade El Idolo, you find room for them because those two are elite-level talents, and it's going to be good. And the potential and the possibilities, right? You look at the matchups you can have. At some point, Kenny Omega versus Malachi Black drool at some point Kenny Omega and Andrade are already going to fight drool we've got Pac you've got MJF you I mean, it just there's just so many not to mention what if Andrade and, and uh, Alistair or Tommy or Malachi whatever you want to call them now hook up again those matches were great it's like perfect job well done I'm super happy I'm a little surprised that Zelina Vega went back to the E that was a bit strange to me um but you know it is what it is also, boy, I kind of want to see uh, Malachi versus Miro, like with the way that their characters are God's favorite son versus whatever Malachi is the demon. Ooh, that would just be real. There's just so, you know, I'm kind of drooling at the thought of all these matchups. And I'm like, that's that's what I want in a wrestling show. I want to be excited about the possibilities. No, and I, I do agree. Yeah. Um, the, the one thing also that I think is uh, interesting, uh, we've been talking about Omega, is that, uh, you know, Hangman's going to take him on. Um, you know, I. You know, Aaron, what do you think about this? I, I, I'm kind of like iffy on it because didn't he win this a while back, the shot? Well, he didn't win the shot, but he is the number one ranked contender, which is something that AEW does that I really like where they have their rankings for the week. And it's like, here's top five men, women, and tag teams. And I think that's really smart because if you think about it, 
a lot of times, you know, it's like all of a sudden it's just a random person, but you know, having the wins and losses, especially just for that year or more recent ones, like, Oh, he's nine and seven in his last 16 matchups, you know, or, or however, um, you know, when they, uh, highlight that stuff, I think it's a really good idea. You know, I, I think that's really smart on their part, uh, you know, to do that. And so that you understand why Adam page is now the number one contender. I'm, I'm probably going to be in the minority here. I actually don't want this match to happen yet. I kind of wish that uh, Kenny Omega had another credible challenger first before he takes on Adam page, just because I almost want to see it marinate a little bit longer where they have a really long buildup to it, where you would see him, you know, uh, I think, uh, was it a um, full gear is the November pay-per-view that they do. I almost want to wait until then, or, uh, they did it. It was, um, uh, winter is coming, uh, was in December's uh, special that they had done. If they did something similar to that, maybe when they debut on TBS, maybe you could have that match be the highlight where like, Hey, you have to see this because it's page versus Omega. That might be something that, you know, would be uh, exciting for. So I, like I said, I'm probably in the minority when it comes to that. I, I think I would have rather waited for this match to be, um, uh, you know, another three months or so before it happens. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and cut you off Aaron, and say you are not in the minority. I think that this match should should take a little bit more time to to develop because it was nice when Adam Page was the number one contender. And when I was trying to find out why he lost to was it Brian Cage? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Brian Cage. I was like, why did they have that happen? Oh, that knocked him out of the number one ranking slot. That's why, because they didn't want to have that match yet. And they kept saying that Hangman was too afraid to fight Omega, and that's why he never took uh, advantage of his number one spot or number one contender spot. And then when he lost it to Brian Cage, he did it on purpose so that he wouldn't be the number one contender, but then got his win back. Okay. Well, coming this uh, tomorrow night, It's going to be Adam Page and the Dark Order versus uh, the Elite. But if the Elite win, he's not the number one contender anymore. So it is possible for them to delay it a little bit longer. I could see it happening. But I I don't know. It it just goes into how how long or is is Kenny going to be this belt collector uh, that we were all hoping for? And with seeing some of the other stuff that goes on, I'm actually, we'll talk about it in a little bit, but I could see the elite winning this and we prolong it just a little bit longer because I think he's going to be collecting some more belts soon. I think Kenny is. Oh yeah. What other belts do you think he's going to be uh, picking up here shortly? Well, if we want to talk about TNA, let's talk about Slam Reversary and what happened there. Kenny Omega successfully defended his title against Sammy Callahan. But who was to come out at the very end of that? Jay White from New Japan Pro Wrestling comes out and just like in Money in the Bank, doesn't say anything, just comes out, makes an appearance, and then they cut the feed. Now, I think WWE did it a little bit better than uh, TNA did. There was a lot of people complaining, thinking that it actually was a technical error and that they, they, they really did miss something. But that was supposedly – that was the ending. Um, so it is going to be Omega versus Jay White, who is the North American champion for uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling. Teasing that might be a title versus title kind of thing. Another title that Kenny Omega can get. Uh, I don't know which gauge this is, uh, but GCW, not very familiar with them either, but they are in a Twitter war with Omega uh, 
or Twitter battle, I guess, um, if you want to call it. And Omega might be getting the GCW title this coming Saturday uh, in, a, in a match there. So is he going to be getting more titles? Very, very, very possible. Yeah, that it's a, it's a Nick Gage, which he, they did a, you know, Dark Side of the Ring, which, you know, he was a very interesting cat. Yeah. Uh, back to okay. back to uh, Omega and Page, Roger. I want to get your thoughts on this. Do you think that all out is too soon for this, or would you would you want to prolong it, or do you want to see them, you know, go at it? As per the usual, I am the minority here. Um, I one hundred percent think this is the time. There is something to striking while the iron is hot. Look, I understand the idea of oh, let's prolong it for six more months. Well, if there's one thing we should learn from 2020, we do not know what is going to happen down the road. If you wait six months and things out of our control, we have to roll back. Did you just miss the opportunity to have Hangman's big moment in front of a huge crowd? And now you have to do it in front of an empty arena again. Is that really worth it? This moment is, is it's not like Hangman isn't over. If Hangman were getting mediocre pops, fine. You need to build up the storyline. If it happens at all out. The time is right. The crowd is hot. Um, I think we talked when Hangman was standing outside of the ring that looked like he could buckshot Kenny. I had goosebumps. I was like, wow, this this feels awesome. There's no point in waiting. He's already there. We've got the story. We know that there's a buildup. There's the elite. There's the Dark Order storyline. It's time for Omega to lose to Hangman, for someone to kick out of the one-wing angel. And I actually think it adds more depth to Omega if he loses the AEW title, turns up the belt collector storyline, and basically can win every single title except for the AEW championship. And that is the one that eludes him, and he starts to go mad over it. He starts trying his best to get another title shot, and he simply can't do it. But he can win the AAA title. He can win the Impact title. He can go go win the Ring of Honor title. I don't even know who the champion is over there anymore. Take that belt. Take the NWA title. Take all of the titles except the AEW championship. Because to me, this is it's time for him to move on because I think there's a pecking order that needs to start to go through it, right? Once Hangman is a champion, in my opinion, the next champion is clearly MJF. After that one, I think there's a discussion. It might be Darby Allen, who is also super over. But the longer you have Omega hold, the longer everybody else has to wait for the place in line. Omega's a made man. You've got the moment. You've got all out in Chicago it's time. I mean, the storyline has essentially been going on for two years. At some point, you're just wasting time. And I think now is the right time. No, and I, I do agree. I think this would be a great time to have him actually go for the one thing where he can get every title except the one that he uh, really wants. So, And then, uh, of course, there will be tons of memes about memes from uh, WWE fans. Uh, we'll see about that. But anyways, um, the other thing I, that I think is going to be very, very interesting um, Doug, you pointed this out that Bound for Glory, TNA's biggest pay-per-view or their version of WrestleMania, it's going to be AEW versus NJPW versus TNA versus AAA. Now, do you think that they can actually do this properly where they can actually bring four promotions all together to achieve one goal? I actually don't think it's that hard to technically call it that because you have who's the AAA champion right now? It's Kenny Omega. So you have, if Kenny Omega shows up because he's the TNA champion, the AEW champion, and the AAA champion, all you need is somebody from New Japan Wrestling to be there also. And I do believe, actually, right now, the Good Brothers are signed with New Japan Pro Wrestling, and they are the TNA champions. So really, right now, you have all of those ingredients uh, going at it right now. Uh, I want to say that uh, Jay White is supposed to wrestle... I can't remember who now. Um, 
but it is an, uh, it's another New Japan wrestler, I think, in, uh, was it, da- it's Davy Boy Smith's character, I think, Junior. Oh, really? He, uh, my understanding is that he signed with WWE recently. So, oh, did he? Yeah. He came back? Because I thought uh, he, he did a, he did a dark match for them, and they announced that he had signed. Don't know what huh. for, but. Okay, then I'm probably oh, not on who it is, but uh, I, I want to say that it was somebody. Uh, I, got, I wish I, I should have looked this up before we got on, but uh, that was the true teaser, or supposed to be the tease for um, Jay White, or why Jay White is supposed to be in the TNA aspect or everything like that. But the fact that they teased Jay White versus Omega, I think, is you know a little bit better. Uh, I'm hoping for a, a bigger show for that. Uh, but it, it'll be interesting to see what kind of card they pull. Uh, Slam anniversary was, I think, pretty good. Uh, overall, I haven't seen the whole thing, but I've read through the highlights of everything. And some of the other wrestlers that kind of showed up, it it really shows what what promotions are willing to do now in, in front of a live crowd uh, versus the being taped or just in a ring without a live crowd. Uh, so it's an exciting time, I think, for all of wrestling. Uh, just due to the fact that some of the storylines that people were holding off on to get back in front of a live crowd because we want this reaction or hope for a good reaction out of this or let's see what kind of reaction out of this. Um, you know, I think the most interesting thing for me was from Money in the Bank was even though he was the heel, AJ Styles got some huge cheers at Money in the Bank. So uh, the crowd is back. The crowd is going to tell uh, promoters what they want to see and what they want to want to do. So having all these people come back and announcing, like, I mean, even for WWE, you had Goldberg come back, you had Cena come back, all these things. It's very, very positive moment and uh, potential, I guess, uh, is, is very, very high and very, very excited to see that hopefully the rumors are true that people were holding off or promotions were holding off some of their best storylines for when live crowds are back. They're back. I'm excited for wrestling again. Yeah, I think that's very well said. And, you know, to think about TNA potentially having all these different promotions together is exciting, you know, um, potentially like, you know, seeing this cross pollination, um, you know, could mean that Bound for Glory could be a really big event. They did for all in. They had NJPW and Ring of Honor and um, uh, NWA and. Um, obviously what became um, AEW altogether, which is great. That's awesome, you know, that you had all these promotions. So hopefully they can do the same, you know, and I, I like the fact that these these people are working together. But anyway, so that's all the time we have for this month's show. If you're into the Twitter, you follow the show at Offmark86. I want to thank 86 Productions for hosting and ending the podcast. And I want to thank all of our listeners for taking the time to download and listen to the show. And for Roger Cave, Doug Hunt, and Aaron Hughes, I am Andrew Hughes. And until next time, we'll see you in the ring.